from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, where the doctor is always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at UMMC. Thanks for joining us this morning. This is the program where you control the content. That's right. You control what we talk about because we take all calls about the health of yourself or your family or maybe even a friend. You can call us today at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to answer those questions. Maybe a couple of things from the news if we have time, but uh, want to have some priority for what is important to you today. So give us a call this morning. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. We're here today. I want to just uh, prayers going out and lots of thoughts to our friends to the east as they uh, encounter this uh, just incredible hurricane out there just brewing in the Gulf. And uh, you know, here in Mississippi and along the Gulf Coast, we have uh, had our share of hurricanes over the years, certainly with Katrina and Lots of others uh, before that and since then. And uh, one good thing about the southeastern states, we all pull together. I know a lot of crews are on their way out towards uh, that area and will be afterwards to see if they can give any help. If you're inclined to do that, please do. Uh, We know we're, particularly in Mississippi, a generous state about giving uh, toward um, uh, causes like that. And I want to make sure that uh, if you feel the urge that you do that, because they're going to need it, a lot of damage that's probably going to be done both from the uh, initial storm surges and certainly the amount of rainfall and then up into the uh, um, other states going up through Georgia and uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, certainly uh, already have a lot of water on board. So um, think about that. Good ways to give back uh, to your fellow uh, um, fellow Americans and other places um, in, the, in the states are being affected by that. So this is Southern Remedy, the program where we take all of your calls for the health of yourself or those around you. And uh, we've got plenty of time today to uh, to hear whatever is on your mind. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you got recently and you didn't quite know what to think about that. Maybe it was a medication that you were prescribed that you really have some questions about potential side effects and um, things that might be affecting that. Or maybe it's just uh, something that's been uh, itching you or um, a rash that just won't go away. We're here to uh, to take your calls this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. So I have one email that came through uh, last week that talked about uh, type 2 diabetes. So diabetes is something that does affect a lot of us in Mississippi and certainly throughout the South, uh, particularly in areas like the Delta. It does go along with obesity. And it basically, a lot of people, you know, are a little bit confused about, well, you know, there's different types of diabetes. There's type 1 and type 2. There are a couple of other really rare genetic defects that cause some other forms of it. But those are the two main types A lot more type 2 diabetes is out there than type 1. Basically, type 1 is when your pancreas, which makes insulin, it's a hormone that helps to regulate blood sugar in your body, and it's uh, something that you need. Everybody needs carbohydrates. That's sort of the powerhouse of the body. That's uh, the way the body gets energy to do most of the uh, functions that it needs. But to utilize that in the cells, you need insulin, and that's produced by the pancreas. And in type 1 diabetes, that's usually something that is uh, that develops in uh, kids. We don't really understand all the mechanisms of why, but it's really an autoimmune process where 
usually if you can tease out historically what happens is uh, you'll notice that a child gets a cold, maybe some cold-like symptoms. They get over that, and then anywhere from about a month to two or maybe even three months later, they'll develop uh, symptoms of diabetes, which are usually going to the bathroom a lot. We call that polyuria. It just means we're making much more urine, and that's because you're spilling that excess blood sugar into your urine. Uh, They may lose weight. Uh, they may uh, have increased thirst as they're trying to keep up with things. And again, that's that's type 1. That's the, the um, much less common than type 2. Type 2, usually in older individuals, it is related to increased weight gain. We are seeing a lot more of this in adolescents just because of the obesity problems that we have uh, in the South and in the state. And um, it can be controlled, type 2, usually with either medications orally or with insulin that is usually injected. Um, but um, type 1, of course, is just treated with insulin. So the problem in type 1 is you're not making enough insulin. In type 2, you're not utilizing that insulin. So um, a lot of differences between those two. And uh, the question was, how can you treat, can you ever get rid of type 2 diabetes? In other words, can you treat it uh, with with lifestyle modifications or weight loss and totally get rid of it? And you can in some situations. Not everybody can do it. In fact, some people uh, continue to have it even if they're not overweight. Um, but it, weight loss and particularly exercise can have a big impact on it, even if you don't... Um, uh, even if it doesn't reverse completely. And the problem with that is, if, if it is a problem, is that you have to keep doing it. So if you if you ever stop that, those lifestyle changes, particularly the exercise portion of it, uh, the blood sugar tends to rise back up. There are a lot of genetic factors that are involved in this, uh, but uh, it is a potentially reversible thing. I would not put all my eggs in that basket, though. A lot of people will say, well, I'm just not going to take medication and work on lifestyle problem with that is while you're doing that, your blood sugar may be at levels that are high enough to do damage to the rest of your body. So you do need to keep that in mind. But thanks for that email out there. Always love to have those. If you can't call in during the program, you're welcome to send those to us at remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to our first caller, Tim from uh, uh, Limberton, I think that, or is it Lumberton? Lumberton. Okay. Lumberton. Tim, are you there? Yes. Thanks for calling. I got a question about a medication, uh, allergy and sinus. It's Alibert D or uh, Laura Tadine. It's a 12-hour tablet. Uh-huh. And uh, it don't agree with me. I not, I, so I, I said I'll cut it in half and see if, it, if I could handle it. It's got a uh, 5 milligram of, uh, of one and then the Sudafed is 120 milligram. Uh, I want to find out which part is which. Uh, yeah, so that's a that's an antihistamine combination with a decongestant. So the the five milligrams would be the loratadine component, and then the 120 would be the the pseudoephedrine. So uh, the the 120 milligrams is that that's a medication that sort of constricts blood vessels. So you don't have the the bogginess in your nose and in the back of your throat. You don't secrete as much of those you know, those uh, you know sort of watery secretions that you get with allergic type uh, problems. The antihistamine works differently to try to to try to cut off production of it. So it's not it's not that um, doesn't have a lot of the side effects that the other one have. Both of them have side effects. Loratadine, the biggest side effect of it with it is sleepiness. Um, some people may have some dry mouth with it. Uh, if you have uh, problems with urination, particularly in males, if they have prostate problems, sometimes that can make that worse. Um, the decongestant portion can have other side effects. Mainly, it can make your blood pressure go up, uh, sometimes if you take a lot of it. So I, I usually, if I have somebody that has allergy problems, and, th- and these are typically either prescription or over-the-counter, you can just try the antihistamine portion. There are others out there like Zyrtec or Sertirazine is one. Claritin is another one. Uh, Allegra is. The ones that have that combination usually have a D out beside it. So it's like 
uh, Zyrtec D or Claritin D. But I, I typically don't prescribe those or, or advise people to take those for long periods of time just because of that, those, uh, you know, the potential side effect of making your blood pressure go up. So, Tim, if it's not if it's not working for you and it's got some or if it's got other side effects, there are other things out there. And then I, I would talk to a physician if if you get a dead end on those other alternatives. Uh, Flonase is uh, is over the counter. That's a nasal spray. I know a lot of people don't like to take that. It's it's not one that you can get used to like the Afrin ones uh, or the the equivalent of Afrin. Those you can actually have a rebound that's worse than than what you had to begin with. But Flonase is good, particularly if you just have nasal symptoms, a lot of sneezing, a lot of runny nose, stopped up nose, maybe even some pressure in your sinuses. And that one won't have a lot of the other side effects of raising your blood pressure. Yes, I was trying to find out which one it is in there that makes me queasy. Is it the little bitty tiny pill inside there or the big outer coating? I, you know, I, it, 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 you can get, it's at 120 milligrams. I'm not sure which component of that is. Now, they make loratadine without that decongestant in it, so you might even try that or something like Zyrtec. Yeah, I cut it open, and there's a little tiny pill in there. Is that the 5 milligram or the 120? It's hard to say just because the the milligram differences don't always equate to how big it is. So it could be either one of those. But I would try. And the other thing to keep in mind, some of these things, because they're, they're sustained release, you can change how they affect you if you cut it in half. The delivery system is a little bit different on some of those so that you may be getting a whole lot more of, of one of those components, partic- particularly that 120 milligrams, that are causing some of these symptoms. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I sure thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Tim. Thanks for calling. All right. Yeah, have to be careful with some of those long-acting uh, medications, just because they, uh, you know, they. It's not uh, just the medication that's in there that has, you know, that acts quicker or longer. It's it's how it's packaged, and there's all kinds of complex ways of doing that. So the pill itself may be designed and have this lattice structure that lets out some of these components. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can call us this morning live at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have plenty of time for your call. So call us right now and get on the board early. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring. That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy Stewart, and we're talking about all kinds of things this morning, talking about delivery systems of medications and uh, anything else you want to talk about. Um, got plenty of time to do that. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Interesting things going on out there. Hey, I hope everybody's enjoying. Finally, I think, this is a taste of true fall for Mississippi. As I was walking in, I was like, well, it sure is nice out here. Overcast skies, not as much... Uh, Humidity, a little bit of breeze there, and it looks like next week's going to be even better. So get out there, enjoy that with your family. I know that a lot of stuff will be going on later in the in October. If you hadn't been to the Mississippi State Fair, a lot of things you can do there. 
uh, may want to check that out. I'm not sure when the last day is. It started last Wednesday. Usually it's a week and a half. So I think it's through the weekend, but I'm not quite sure about that. Let's go to Judy in Meridian. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, sir. Thank you very much for uh, taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. I may be in trouble. Uh Uh-oh. I took a pneumonia shot yesterday, Uh and my shoulder is hot and has fever in it, and my bicep muscle feels like it's torn. Ooh. Um, This is the second in that series, and I didn't have this with the first one. Yeah, the second one usually just because of uh, you know the, uh, the pneumococcal vaccine, um, the way that the the, uh, the series is, the second one's a little bit different than the first one. So just because you didn't have a, a problem with the first one doesn't mean you'll have you know not have one with the second one. Two possibilities here. Uh, this could be a what's called a, a local reaction. So just because of the way vaccines work, the immune system uh, is supposed to recognize it as something that's foreign and make antibodies and produce all the normal substances it would. And if you think about, uh, you know, the way the immune system works, it can cause a little bit of, uh, of what most people call fever at the site, which is increased warmth. It can cause some redness. It may even cause a raised uh, knot. Uh, that can spread out from there. Now, the bicep problem, uh, that may be something either totally separate. It may be related to that. I don't know. But if, if, it's, if it's spread out more than about two or three inches, and in it, particularly if it involves the front part of your arm, which they, that's not where they normally, you know, where, where the, the shot is given, I'd have a physician look at that and just to make sure it's not something else. There may be something else going on with the bicep, which is on the front. Um, but this sounds like it, at the very least a local reaction. Local reactions doesn't mean that you can't ever have that again. That's 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 something again that the immune system is saying. Yeah, I recognize this as something I need to fight off, um, and it's meaning that it's getting revved up for it. Um, but um, but if it's if it's spread out beyond that, that may be something that's a little bit more serious, and you need to, to have somebody to look at it. Okay, great. I certainly do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Oh, yes, ma'am. Thank you for calling. Yeah, those are uh, local reactions are fairly common, and uh, certainly with you know with kids we see them a lot. A knot is almost always something that you see. A lot of times you won't see anything, and it, if you don't have a reaction like that, it doesn't mean it's not working. Uh, it's just the differences from person to person in the way that their immune system uh, recognizes things and uh, tries to mount up a response against it. So. Um, but if it's beyond that, you know, two or three inches and it's, uh, uh, you know, going beyond that, or you have other symptoms that are more systemic, then you might want to get your physician's office involved in it. Let's go to Lois in Hazelhurst. Good morning, Lois. Good morning. How are you? Sure. Good. I have a question. Yesterday I heard about an herb. It's called Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M. Well, I looked it up, and it says it's for anxiety, depression, but it also said that um, it was used to get people off of opioids, but that it was considered a class one drug. But yet it's an herb, so I'm rather confused. Yeah, and that brings up, a. am going to take this as a two-step question. The, the, the confusion about, you know, why is it a class one when it's an herb? That's a whole nother question. So this, oh, okay. this, this, is, uh, this is made from a tree. It's a tropical tree in the, I had to just look this up right quick. It's in the coffee family. Um, so it, uh, you know, if it's used to treat anxiety, uh, you know, coffee, um, Coffee is the biggest, the largest used drug globally. It's the most common drug globally that we take. Now, people don't think of it as a drug, but a lot of people do. They are like, I have to have my coffee. Oh, yeah. um, Jay's rubbing his hands together with an evil, maniacal look because I know he yes, likes his coffee. my husband is like that. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know what that look looks like. So, uh, and coffee certainly is something that can improve our reaction times. It can make us more focused on different things, it certainly can, uh, you know, is a, a great thing uh, if you're battling sleep. Um, it's been recommended, you know, and for people who have to uh, get sleepy on the job. Um, so my guess, and I don't know a whole lot about this, I'd have to look at it, and I can certainly get my, um, 
uh, get get my pharmacy people on this to take a look at it and see what they can dig up. But I would bet if it's in the coffee family that it has similar effects. And the second part of the question would be, and it certainly it would affect anxiety in different ways. A lot of people say, well, wouldn't that cause anxiety? In small amounts, probably not. Um, the, the class one probably has to do with the ingredients in there and some of the side effects. So in other words, you don't want to take a lot of something, uh, at, but that's why it's even as a herb. Herbs don't mean you can take them and not worry about any kind of potential side effect or inter- interaction. A lot, a lot of people think they're totally safe and you can take a lot of them. They're not. Um, no, no, I mean, there are a lot of them you have to be very careful with. Uh, ginkgo is a good one that comes to mind that has been touted for to, uh, to help from anything from uh, imp- increasing your memory, improving your memory, to fighting off colds. Uh, but it's also, uh, it has an interaction with platelets. Those are the, the blood products that help you if you're, if you have a cut on your arm, that's the first thing that sort of plugs that to stop the bleeding and you can bleed for prolonged periods. And if you happen to be taking an anticoagulant for something else, let's say you had heart disease and you had some stents placed and you're on a medication for that, then it can make it even worse. So that's just one example. So you need to, and the, the, here's the problem. Not a whole lot of physicians or the medical profession really has a lot of training in this. I was fortunate enough to have a pharmacist at UMMC during my training, uh, Buddy Ogletree, and he had a lot of interest in this and uh, actually put out a book years ago on it. Um, and, um, and you really have to dig pretty deep and understand about that. There's a couple of things out there. Micromedics is a database that does include herbal uh, products and medications and interactions of those. So that may be something to look at. There, There is a free version of that that you can look at. Micromedics is the name of it. But I, I, that's what I would, you know, and if you got a good pharmacist, they may, you may want to get them, you know, just a local pharmacist in Hazlehurst just to say, hey, can you research this for me? And, and you know what I'm on, you know my medical conditions, see if it's okay. Um, oh, no, it's not for me. It's just something that I read. Sure. And I was like, it just, I don't know, it didn't really make sense that, yes, I understand, you have to be careful with herbs. You oh, have sure. To be careful. Yeah. You've got to take everything into consideration. Yeah. And the, and then the other thing is there may be some limited studies that have been done that show, you know, not just side effects but potential harm. Like a lot of a lot of uh herbal remedies if you take enough of them are a cancer risk. Um so you really have to research research it's uh you know where it's coming from, how it's produced because there is a wide variation among companies about how herbal products are produced. So uh, what I read yesterday, it said that the DEA classified it as a uh, class one narcotic, the same as heroin and marijuana. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. That means that they have found something in that chemical that has similar effects. So uh, okay, that's okay. one that you wouldn't want to get caught with. Well, I, I don't know. I'm fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have my little happy pill every morning. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lois. Thank you for thank calling. You. All right. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. Uh, one of the, the worst cases, I had an adolescent uh, patient that came to me, and uh, he had been, he was really into bodybuilding at the time, and he got some, it's amazing what you can get over the Internet or, you know, across uh, international lines in the mail, but he had some uh, testosterone. Uh, in increased uh, quantities that it was a precursor of, of testosterone. And um, he, you know, was bulking up with this stuff and uh, almost lost his liver. So he had acute liver failure, thankfully recovered fully from that. But, um, you know, these it, just because you can get it doesn't mean that it's not going to harm you. So uh, I still have that bottle on my bookshelf and along with a couple of other things, just as an example of those things you got to watch out about. Let's go to Robert in Poplarville. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. I have a question about a drug that I'm on twice a day. It's Flomax. Flomax, yeah. Yeah, I had a bout with prostate cancer. It's been a year, and my numbers are good now, but I'm still on the Flomax drug. I have a burning sensation when I urinate. I'm wondering if that Flomax could be causing that. I, it's possible. It's not one that I'm familiar with with Flomax, and I have a lot of, of patients that take that. So, you know, usually Flomax has been used if you have an enlarged prostate for any reason. So it doesn't have to be from cancer. It can also be from um, 
from benign prostate uh, prostatic hypertrophy. In other words, you just got a big prostate. So it right. it, it uh, it's tamsulosin is the uh, generic name of it. And uh, I'm not aware of that as a potential side effect, but you may just want to, you know, check with your doctor about that. Now, that's if you got a severe enough reduction in, in urinary flow and you got a big improvement with that, you may want to talk to them before you to go cold turkey to see if the symptoms, uh, you know, are relieved by it. Uh, the the other potential, at least, is that, I mean, I, I would always check a urine if a patient told me that they, you know, think that they've got some burning like that, even if they thought it was from a uh, from the medication, just to make sure you don't have a urinary tract infection. It's, right. it's less likely less likely in men, but you never know. Right. Well, I, 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 he put me on Macrodan for like, I don't know, 60 days. Oh, and, yeah. And still, I mean, I did not have a urinary tract infection. Yeah, do you have, do you know if he's if he's is he check the urine? I'm sure for blood too, because sometimes that can have the same symptoms. Yeah, and it all started when this problem started. Was actually, uh oh, I think I'm I'm losing you there on the signal there, Robert. You still there? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I would check with him. There may be some, there's a couple of other medications that can have similar effects on the prostate um, that you, he may want to try. If you okay. know. All right. Thanks thank, for calling. Thank bye bye. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can reach us this morning with anything that you have a question about related to the health care of you of your family at 1 877 MPB ring. That's 1 672 7464. Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to John in Biloxi, Mississippi. Good morning, John. Good morning. Uh, I, I've got a quick question. I suffer from osteoarthritis in numerous locations throughout my body. I've had it for over 20 years now, and I take, uh, I take Celebrex 200 milligrams once a day. Um, I have been told recently that uh, the, uh, the the spice turmeric could help me with uh, some of my uh, osteoarthritis symptoms. I'm I'm wondering if you're familiar with that. If there's any evidence to support that, and if it would have any conflict with the Celebrex. Yeah, John, I think, uh, well, first of all, hats off to you. I know osteoarthritis is something as you get older that that's not anything that's, that's nice to deal with, and certainly moving around and keeping moving is a major goal. Uh, Celebrex is a medication that's uh, it's similar to, let's say, ibuprofen, Advil, those kinds of things. It acts longer, so you only have to take it once a day. There are some long-term side effects with that. Um, it, you know, in some people are a little bit more sensitive in their in their stomach. It can make them a little bit more sensitive to developing ulcers and bleeding. Uh, and then there's some other concerns with it long-term. Really, you know, the, there are is a little bit of evidence that it might increase your risk of heart attack over time. But um, that's fairly less evidence, than, and it's not really robust. Turmeric is something that's been touted to help with that. Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot of other complications or side effects from it. And so I would say if you want to give it a try, it's probably safe. I would probably do it, you know, in, in I'm, I think I'm hearing you that it's in place of the, of the Celebrex and just see if it, if it does help. If it does, that's, that's fine. I don't think it would, it would harm you for, to take that. Um, another thing that a lot of people take is chondroitin sulfate. Uh, is is another over-the-counter uh, sort of supplement or herbal medication. For some people, it works. For some, it doesn't. That's, and it, but it's totally safe to take. It doesn't really have any other side effects um, uh, that would interfere with anything else. But I think uh, turmeric's fine if you wanted if you wanted to try it. Not a whole lot of evidence that I'm aware of that it's you know in in some randomized controlled trials, which is sort of our our go-to for, for seeing if some, something's, you know, significantly. But again, a lot of people say, hey, I took it. I feel totally better. And my my mantra is if, if it's not going to hurt you and it helps you, that's great. If it doesn't, you move on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I have tried to, when you live with this stuff for as long as I have, you try everything. Sure. And I've tried the, the uh, chondroitin and all of that stuff, and none of that stuff helped me. And uh, the the Celebrex, I, I 
I don't function effectively without it just simply because, it, you know, it's about the only thing between me and <laughs> pain, you know. So, right, right. All right. Th- thank, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck to you. Let's go to uh, Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I, I want to recommend a surgical procedure. All right. Are you a, Sue, you're not a surgeon, are you? No. I had cataract <laughs> surgery. Yes. And that's the best thing I've ever done for myself. I, I, I was shocked. I, uh, the, first, the right eye cataract was removed, right, a week ago? Uh-huh. Yesterday, I had the other one removed on the left eye. Well, when I first got home after that first day, when the right eye, he took the... I could see everything. I, I, I had no idea my house was in such a mess because I didn't see it. You, you're surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised. Oh, what you miss? I mean, I cleaned until 2 o'clock in the morning that first day when I got home. I got up and started scrubbing the bathroom, and I scrubbed and mopped and vacuumed and dusted and to try to get everything into shape because when you're blind, I mean, almost blind from cataracts, you really don't see that stuff. Right, you know? right. Yeah, it's 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 pretty dramatic, and because it it um, it occurs so slowly, so that lens you know gets more cloudy um, uh, with more damage to it, mainly ultraviolet damage from the sunlight. But um, it, yeah, it'll sneak up on you to the point where when you have it done, you're like, oh my goodness, I did not realize how blind I was. For Everything most... is so bright and so yeah. clear, and you can see every little teeny tiny speck on the floor. Now I keep a vacuum plugged in so I can just zip everything. Yeah, <laughs> but I, won't, I just want to tell everybody who's like me: don't be hard headed. If you're having trouble seeing, and you might have cataracts, like most people get a certain age, they get cataracts. Don't put it off. Go and and get them taken off, and it's a whole new world because you can see how to drive, and you can. I mean, I was driving, but I was driving blind, really. Yeah, we did. We didn't need to know that, Sue. And I, I, <laughs> so I have a I had a great surgeon, Doctor Nelson, at the Southern Eye Center in, in Hattiesburg. Yes, ma'am. He was he was just great. Yeah, our, our hats off to our ophthalmologist colleagues yeah. because they have really perfected this uh, technique. And, you know, there are some people who have complications with it. But for most people now, it is a fairly routine surgery. Certainly, uh, you know, the surgical techniques are really good. Um, He's a mir- I mean, people who can do that are miracle workers. Yeah, they really are. They really are. They, they, uh, and sight is something that you just, uh, most of us take for granted. Yes. Uh, but it is so important. As you get older, it's very important with preventing other complications to things. If you think about if you can't see and you may be a little unsteady, have a little bit de- decreased muscle mass, yes. it increases your risk for falls. So you're right, Sue. I'm glad you, you, uh, you're advocating this because, uh, it can sure help you not just see, but it can help uh, prevent a lot of other things, too. I want to advocate anyone out there who's having any problems with your vision and could be cataract, go get them taken off. Don't be afraid of that. The procedure only lasted. They, they were playing opera music, as I requested. And it only took, like, two arias of opera to free them to do it all. <laughs> it wasn't painful. Nothing like that. Nothing at all. That's great, Sue. Thank you for calling and, uh, and uh, throwing that out there for everybody. Good challenge for everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. This is Southern Remedy. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Hey, shout out to my friend Jonathan Chapel, fortieth birthday today. I know he doesn't look like it, baby face and all, but uh he is forty, so if you see him uh, give him a hard time about that. I know he may be uh, walking a little bit slower today, but uh, happy birthday, Jonathan. Let's go to Jerry in Mobile. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. How's everything over in beautiful Mississippi? It's good this morning, my friend. How about Mobile? Well, it's a little cloudy. Yeah, I imagine so. It looks like y'all not, may, may not get a whole lot of rain from this uh, uh, hurricane. Uh, my mother-in-law of 96 years... Uh, who was educated at medical school in the United States Marine Corps, is a firm believer in melatonin. Yeah. And so I was having, I'm a CPA, and I was having trouble sleeping. And she gave me one of those pills, and, you know, those things work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're right. Now, are they bad for you? That's my question. Oh, melatonin? Not really, but there has been some increase, uh, particularly as they, you know, usually you'll have people study these in adults, and then if they are, if it is something that's used in kids, you have sort of the second wave of looking at it. So 
sort of where we are right now. But melatonin is fairly safe. That's why it's still over the counter. It's the body's natural hormone uh, for regulating day and night. So it, it's increased uh, right before you go to sleep. And, uh, and you, uh, you know, it's, it's that natural thing. So what has been studied the most is in shift work or, uh, jet lag was the first things that people advocated taking it for. So if you were going across at least two or three time zones, it would help sort of reset your natural clock of going to sleep. So it's better for those kinds of things. Or if you're, you know, if you do four or five days on nights and then you come back to days to sort of reset things really doesn't have many side effects other than making you sleepy, which is that's what you're taking it for. Um, Some And most people don't have sort of the hangover with a lot of the other drugs that you have, like, you know, things like Ambien. Sometimes a lot of people will say, I just wake up and I've got got sort of this hangover feeling. I'm groggy in the morning for two to three hours. Um, So that's that's something that you don't want to, you know, you definitely want to avoid if you're taking those. But uh, melatonin is actually pretty decent. Now, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't really have that that response. But if it's working for you, that's great. Dose-wise, most people take anywhere from 1 to up to 10 milligrams, and it's it's pretty safe to take. Well, I, I bought 10. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that likes to get the biggest you can get. <laughs> We have this that we have this thing that we say, and particularly as you get older and you you treat some older patients, you say uh, uh, start low, go slow. But uh, hey, I understand sometimes you just want to you know get that maximum benefit. But this this is one that you could take the ten and it wouldn't it wouldn't be any problem at all. Well, that's all I wanted to know. I know she her big problem is she's an Alabama fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to Auburn. So. Uh oh, uh oh. Don't have a medication for that, Jerry. Sorry about no, that. No, well, you know, that's just that's what she said. I can't do nothing about you going to Auburn. <laughs> Maybe she can reform you. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot. All right, Jerry. Thanks for listening and calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, sleep is uh, underrated until you don't get any, and then it's uh, it can affect a lot of stuff. And uh, if, if you do, if you are doing that, and take we, we talked a lot about over-the-counter medications, but uh, always consider... Uh, sleep problems, sleep disorders. Everybody thinks about sleep apnea. There are other disorders that are out there. The parasomnias, uh, disordered uh, breathing at night, or disordered sleep. So there's other other things that can happen that may be interfering f- with your sleep. A sleep specialist, that's somebody who's specifically trained in that. Um, that may be somebody to see if you're if you're not getting where you, you know, the, the sleep that you need. And uh, certainly, and again, we talked about vision. You know, Sue Sue talked about uh, cataract surgery being a, a life changer and and being able to see when you are not getting sleep, and all of a sudden you get sleep. Uh, man, like patients come back and they're like, "Oh my goodness, I should have done this a year or two ago because I feel so much better." So uh, that's something to think about too if you're not getting some relief from something that's uh, simple like uh, melatonin. Let's go to Tom in Meridian. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for calling Good this morning. Good morning, Doc. How are you doing this morning? Good. Well, listen, I, I'm a 61-year-old male, of course, but several years ago I had to have my complete thyroid removed. Uh-huh. And I had, to, had a mass. Thank God it wasn't cancer, but my whole thyroid is gone. And I didn't realize the ramifications of not having a thyroid, and for a man particularly, um, one of, the, one of the side effects of that for me was um, my testosterone levels dropped. That they just plummeted. Yep. And and uh, I mean I wasn't getting stronger from after surgery, and I couldn't walk from point A to point B. That even just hardly just giving out of breath. And uh, so I went back to my doctor, and he ran the testosterone levels on me, and it was about nil to none. And uh, <clears throat> so now. I've taken testosterone therapy replacement. I take Androgel, uh, which is a lotion right. you rub on your arms after you shower. And uh, what is there any long-term side effect of taking this stuff? So in your case, probably not a whole lot. Now, there's, a, you know, certainly out there, there's a, a ton of people that are on testosterone replacement, and uh, yours is the one that I would advocate the most. And uh, just to back up a little bit, 
you, your thyroid is the master gland in your body, so uh-huh. uh, it controls all the other functions of the body. So if you're not getting enough thyroid hormone or if it's not working appropriately, even after you get those hormone levels up, it can affect downstream just because it's not the natural system. So, yeah. so most people that have it you know, taken out for one reason or another – they have to be on a replacement hormone to to uh, you know levothyroxine is the one of the most common ones synthroid. That's uh, what I, I take as yeah. well. But you're right. Even if that's if that's in the normal level, then all the other hormones of the body sort of take their cue from that. So yeah. testosterone deficiency for men can have the symptoms that you just mentioned, just lethargy where you're just dragging. You don't have the uh, the uh, stamina that you used to have you don't have a lot of the you know and a lot of different different problems that men can have with it sure, um, sure. but if it if the that the key component of that is, is seeing somebody who understands how to check the levels and it sounds like they did exactly what what uh-huh. uh, needed to be done if the levels are really low then that is an indication for testosterone replacement and there's different mechanisms of doing that the androgel certainly is one that's it's readily absorbed through the skin. You may have some, you know, if you got, got young kids in the house, you don't want them around it because it can have a lot of bad side effects. As far as long-term side effects, they should be doing some of the things that you would normally do at your age to uh, to monitor. Uh, anytime you replace testosterone in the body, uh, you want to think about how that's affecting different tissues. So it's a normal, you know, a hormone that men have, uh, but prostate cancer is one of the ones we always think about. So if you're getting that, they're, they're probably going to be looking at a PSA on you periodically. They are. They are. Uh-huh. And that's probably yeah. the, the one that everybody thinks about. Another thing is they're probably checking your blood work to see what your red count levels are. Uh-huh. Uh, they're doing that as well. See, they're yeah. doing all the, all the things you would normally do. Uh, hypertension, if you get too much of it, that can, that can cause the blood pressure to rise. It can cause your red cell mass, the number of red cells in your bloodstream, to increase. Uh, but it, in your case, you need it because the levels are really low. People who don't need it and have the more an increased risk of all the bad stuff are the ones who say go to people and say, "Hey, I'm just feeling bad." You check the testosterone level; it's normal, and they still get the testosterone. That would be the people I would worry about. Sure, sure. Even my normal range now for me is like four fifty. You know. Yeah, that's still that's still there, and you know. It's that's the other thing. A lot of people, a lot of males, if you check the levels and it's like low two hundreds to two fifty, it may be on the lower side of normal, and they may feel fine. And other people may say, "Hey, I'm still having these symptoms." So yeah. checking in it in everybody is not a good idea. I mean, if you if you get to be fifty or sixty, don't think that you have to have your testosterone level checked. Really, yeah. you, the people who need it checked are the ones that are going to have the symptoms that you just mentioned. Right. So right. it sounds like they're doing everything to monitor that appropriately, Tom. Um, you know, I, I, I would, uh, any kind of change in your urine frequency, I would, I would uh, or urinary stream, I would let them know about that. Uh, but they're, they're doing all the stuff they normally would. Yeah. Well, he had me on Flowmax for a while, and uh, uh-huh. I, got, I got better with that. He took me off of it. And uh, he told me to take it when I needed it, of course. But uh, right, right. I haven't had to have it for a while. But man, when you get old, things change. <laughs> things change. Yes, they do. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we you know, uh, you know. If you talk to uh, women, they'll tell you about uh, the the changes with menopause. And certainly, uh, I don't, I don't want any of that. But there's male so, changes as well. People are calling right. it menopause. That's menopause, the new word right. for it. Menopause <laughs> instead of menopause. Right. But That's hey. Right. I'm not, if I get there and I'm not probably too far from some of those, I'm not going to compare myself to any woman, nor would I, you know, in the changes that Uh they have, nor would I advocate that to anybody because Uh that's Uh not a good Uh idea. Uh, uh, My my wife's going through that now. I don't dare. Right. Right. (laughs) Smart man, Tom. All right. Well, thank you for calling this morning. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Yeah. Hormones, hormonal therapy. You've got all these clinics out there too. That uh, let me say this: if you're taking testosterone supplements and you had normal levels, but you had symptoms and you're being treated by somebody, you will feel better. You just have to be aware of those side effects. Um, So you you really have to watch out for that. Let's go to uh, John in Jackson. Good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for calling. 
Yes, sir. Uh, can you give me some input on polymyositis and is yes. there herbal medication that will help me out? Yeah, polymyositis is an autoimmune disease, and uh, again, the autoimmune diseases, we really don't have a good grasp on why people get that, uh, but it has to do with the muscles in the body. So it's an inflammation of the muscles in the body, um, and, uh, and it can be other tissues too, like blood vessels. Uh, but it's one of the myopathies, and m- most people get muscle pain. They can get some stiffness with that. Uh, you can have some joint pain and stiffness, maybe muscle weakness, so you're just not able to pick up things. And sometimes it could be really dramatic, like not being able to pick up the uh, a cup of water. Um, sometimes just because muscles are not just on the outside that we see and normally think about, but they can also be on the inside. They'll have trouble swallowing because the esophagus is basically just a tube that has a lot of muscle in it. Um, and then sometimes it can affect the heart as well. The heart is a little bit different muscle, cardiac muscle, um, but it can be affected. As far as I'm aware, uh, John, I don't think there's anything out there that's like herbal or over-the-counter remedies that are probably going to make this better. And you really want to watch out about this because the autoimmune diseases, uh, you don't want to let those get too far along before you treat it, particularly a muscular problem like this because it may get worse. The person you need to see, if you haven't already, is a rheumatologist. And they're the people who, you know, normally people think about bones and joints uh, that they, you know, osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. But a rheumatologist also specializes in autoimmune diseases like this. So that would be the person that I would I would advocate that you, you see. They may want to do some more tests. There are some uh, you know, rheumatologists take a really good history. That's they just wanted the story of how this developed over time, and uh, you know what it's affecting. And then they're going to do a good physical exam, and then they're going to get a bunch of blood work on you. They're probably going to bleed you dry, looking for different reasons why you have this. And polymyositis sometimes is associated with other immune diseases. So uh, it may not just be that, and it may turn into other things over time. So that's the reason why you need to you need to be looked at pretty intently. Is there a more effective treatment for it, a medication for it? Uh, yeah, there is. So there are other um, there are other treatments like medications that they can give you that uh, can uh, are, are very successful in treating it in some instances. Everybody's a little bit different, so they they'd want to get a big picture first. But if it's polymyositis, yeah, that's totally. Uh, something that they can, it's not cured. You can't cure it with anything, but you can have treatments that basically give you increased muscle strength and less and less pain. Okay. How about protein? Uh, is that, would that help? Muscle you, protein? Muscle. So, so you do need protein. So muscles, you know, need a, a certain amount of protein to turn over. Uh, to replace those those uh, those proteins that they lose through normal function, but usually you don't need a supplement for that. If you eat some just a little bit of lean meat, you don't really don't need a whole lot of it. So if you even get like four to six ounces of lean meat, fish, chicken would be fine uh, a day. That's about all you need. Um, that's you know to to replace those losses. Now they may look at you and and do some other testing and say you need more you know than that. Uh, but usually I tend to, to shy away from supplements just because there's good ways to do that through a, a normal healthy diet, um, you know, that you're, when you're eating those things. But if you're eating a little bit of chicken, a little bit of fish, um, that's probably all you need. Certainly if you're eating it, that, you know, two meals a day, that should be enough. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you, Dan. You're welcome. Yeah, that's uh, those autoimmune diseases can they can be hard to diagnose just because it takes a lot of uh, sometimes the first symptoms you get aren't don't paint the whole picture and it does take time. So usually there are a couple of months in between when those first symptoms hit you uh, and they can be debilitating, but it takes a little bit more time to get those other ones. People very frustrating to deal with it if you've ever dealt with it yourself on an autoimmune disease or have somebody in your family. And as a physician, particularly a primary care physician, it's been frustrating for me to because I want to get the answer for patients and get them in the right uh, going in the right direction. And sometimes that takes two or three months to uh, to really understand what's going on. Uh, and I uh, wish we had better tests for it. A lot of people think we can just get a lab test for autoimmune diseases, even things like 
rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, uh, and that's not the case. There are criteria that we have, uh, in, in other words, a number of things that have to be present, even with that positive lab result. Uh, and sometimes the lab result can be negative for rheumatoid arthritis, for lupus, and still have uh, still have uh, some some symptoms of it, and still have the disease process. So, um, so just you know, patience is one of those things that is incredibly hard and difficult to to try to have that while you're hurting so much and while you're dealing with these. But getting the correct diagnosis is uh, is important uh, before you go to treatment. So the rheumatologist in this case is is who you want. This is Southern Remedy. Got a couple of minutes left. If you want to slip in a call, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We talked about a flu vaccine last week and just uh, the, the uh, sort of review of the previous year. We usually get that about this time of year before the next uh Flu, but uh, eighty thousand people died last year in the United States of of flu related illness, and that is no trivial number. And that's way too many people. We know the flu vaccine uh, is uh, there's a incredibly amount of uh, amount of uh, research into that and trying to predict accurately. They've gotten a lot better over time with that. Last year wasn't so good. This year is more on the money of what we're seeing already. Uh, already starting to see a little bit of flu in the clinics, uh, both in uh, pediatrics and in adult patients. It tends to be flu B symptoms, and that's one of the ones that's included in the vaccine this year. Uh, but uh, flu B tends to be more uh, GI um, symptoms than the flu A. Flu A usually is the the fever, runny nose, sneezing, coughing, that kind of thing can cause pneumonia in individuals, particularly if they have lung disease or if they're older or younger. Uh, and then um, uh, uh, the B symptoms tend to be more diarrhea, uh, GI cramping, maybe some nausea related to that too. So we're seeing more B this year, but if you haven't got your flu shot, probably need to consider doing that just about for everybody, particularly if you're an older individual or if you're a child that's over the age of six months of age, uh, we do recommend that you get that to try to reduce your risk of getting the flu. If you've ever gotten the flu, you probably don't want to get it anymore. A lot of people say, well, I got a little touch of the flu. You probably didn't have the flu. You may have had a viral infection, but uh, if you if you have the flu, you're going to know it. It's going to be something that's going to hit you pretty hard, and uh, and you're going to be pretty sick with it. I had the flu several, well, probably about 10 years ago now. I don't I hadn't had it since then, but... Uh, it was I was in the bed for quite some time, and uh, that's an unusual thing to me. Very frustrating because I like to get out and do stuff uh, and uh, to be healthy. So uh, get that flu shot to do that. It's not something that, uh, that you want to take for granted, particularly with those 80,000 people that were affected last year. That's just a horrendous number. Well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank all of our callers for calling in. If you wanted to call and didn't get a chance, uh, you can reach us next week here on Southern Remedy, or you can send an email to us at remedy at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and, of course, generous support from you, our listeners. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.